Today on Building in Faith with Pastor Ed Jones. Building in Faith. Repent and receive forgiveness. It's one thing to forgive others, but sometimes it's harder to forgive ourselves. But before we truly could forgive others, I mean, release them, let them go, we have to learn to forgive ourselves. We have to learn to accept ourselves. Reaching up high with arms open wide, we see you're changing our lives so we can be our hands and feet. We are all born sinners and therefore in need of forgiveness. The Bible tells us to repent and receive forgiveness. Is that an easy thing for us to do? In today's message, Pastor Ed will teach us that as hard as it can be to forgive someone, sometimes it's even harder to forgive ourselves. He says, God's grace is greater than our sin, and His forgiveness is greater than all of our failures. Can we truly believe that and move beyond our brokenness and forgive others and ourselves? By God's grace, yes we can. Now here's Pastor Ed with today's edition of Building in Faith. There are times that we are broken. There are times that we are so simply wounded. And sometimes it's self-inflicted. Sometimes it's by others. But one of the things that we have to learn to do to be able to move on beyond our brokenness is to be able to forgive others and forgive ourselves. And sometimes the latter is the hardest. I'd like you to open your Bibles to the book of Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew. In Matthew's Gospel, the 26th chapter, there's some powerful words spoken to the chief apostle, Peter. Jesus is speaking to Peter And he's prophesying Peter's failure. He's prophesying a future event in Peter's life where he would deny the Lord. Do you know when God saved you? When God brought you out of the miry clay, he knew every flaw, every fault, everything that you would ever do. And yet, he embraced you in grace, knowing, knowing that you would falter and fall along the way to to your final destination, heaven. Matthew chapter 26, verse 75 says this, Then Peter remembered the word Jesus had spoken before the rooster crows. You will disown me three times. And he went outside and he wept bitterly. Lewis B. Smeeds asked the question Do you dare release the person you are today from the shadows of the wrong you did yesterday? 
Do you dare forgive yourself? Well, do you? Will you? Will you have enough courage to embrace God's forgiveness and release the past so you could live in the present and walk into your future? As I was thinking about the sermon and I was thinking about different biblical characters to start the message off with, I thought about the Apostle Paul. He had a horrific past. He murdered Christians. He persecuted the church. But then I thought, no, I don't think I'll use the Apostle Paul because those crimes were committed before he was saved. Oftentimes, Christians don't struggle with B.C., before Christ. They struggle with the sins that they've committed since they've come to know Christ. Those weigh most heavily upon their heart and spirit and mind. I thought about Peter as the right one. When Peter first met Jesus, early on in the ministry of Christ, he fell at Jesus' feet and said, in Luke 5, go away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. He recognized, he realized how sinful he was when he met Jesus and he saw Christ's miraculous power. But after he had been with Jesus for years, walk with him, walk beside him, seen his miracles, seen his compassion, experienced his grace. He would fall. In Matthew chapter 26, uh, Peter made this boast. Even if all fall away on account of you, I never will. And then he said, even if I have to die with you, I'll never disown you. Uh, those were Peter's proud, boastful words. And Peter had a bit of self-righteousness in him. Didn't really know how frail he was. Like so many, like so many. But God was going to prepare Peter to preach the most important sermon ever preached in church history. It was the sermon preached on the day of Pentecost, the very first sermon in the church. It was going to begin the church, and it was going to reap 3,000 souls. He was going to offer forgiveness to those who had crucified the Lord, to those who had rejected Christ. Lest Peter stand behind that podium, lest he preached on the day of Pentecost with some pompous, righteous attitude like a proud peacock thinking he were better than others, I believe that God allowed that fall, that brokenness so that Peter would realize that we all need forgiveness. Jesus said to Peter this, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift each of you like wheat, but I have pleaded in prayer for you. Simon, that your faith should not fail. So when you have repented and turned to me again, strengthen your brothers. And Peter again boasts, Lord, I'm ready to go to prison with you and even die with you. 
Peter, I tell you, something before the rooster crows, you're going to deny me. Think about that. Jesus said, Peter, you've got to repent. Now, Peter hadn't sinned yet, uh, but Peter was going to fail, and he says, I have prayed for you that your faith would not fail. Sometimes when we fail, our faith fails along with it. And Peter was in danger of completely leaving that apostolic band. God's grace is greater than our sin. His forgiveness is greater than your failure. And here, Jesus said, I pray for you. And that came back to Peter's mind. And when he stood before that audience on the day of Pentecost and preached to those thousands who had Many in that crowd who had put Christ on the cross and said, crucify him, crucify him. Peter did not preach with self-righteous indignation, but he preached as a sinner to sinners. And he said, repent. He knew what it was all about. Repent and receive forgiveness. It's one thing to forgive others, but sometimes it's harder to forgive ourselves. But before we truly could forgive others, I mean, release them, let them go, we have to learn to forgive ourselves. We have to learn to accept ourselves. In Psalm 51, perhaps David prayed this psalm, perhaps Peter prayed this psalm. During that time between the crucifixion and the resurrection, between Good Friday and Easter Sunday, perhaps he buried himself in Psalm 51 and Psalm 32, David's psalms of repentance. In Psalm 51, verse 5, it says, Surely I was sinful like birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. David wrote those words. David recognized that he was a sinner to the core from the beginning. One of the things that you have to accept about yourself, that I have to accept about myself, is that we're sinners. That we're inclined to sin from the time we come out of the womb to the time we're taken home. From our birth to our death, we have this fallen nature. And we need to accept God's forgiveness in our life. David penned those words, wrote those words, not early on in his life, but later on in his life, when he had fallen deeply in sin. See, we're all made of the same stuff, clay. All of us are made of the same stuff that Ted Bundy or Mother Teresa is made of. All of us have hell's depths and heaven's heights in us, capable of doing mean and base things, capable of doing kind and gracious things, a mixture of good and bad. We need the forgiveness of God if we're going to live our lives. And we need to be able to forgive ourselves, accepting your past. David had committed adultery with a trusted servant's wife. And then sent that man into battle with the intention of him 
being killed and then played the part of the pious, righteous king for over a year as though nothing had happened. In Psalm 32, 1, he writes about his forgiveness after Nathan the prophet had confronted him. He said, blessed is he whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. To forgive yourself, that's sometimes the hardest thing to do. A lie that you've told to a friend. A time that you've crossed the line and said things or done things that you shouldn't have said or that you shouldn't have done. A time that you've literally broken the commandments, eyes wide open. No, I'm not making an excuse for living low standards and a low life, but I am recognizing that we have to accept the fact that we need forgiveness and that along the way we have fallen accepting our past accepting our families growing up in less than a perfect home we all come in some way from dysfunctional homes and we all in some way are dysfunctional Uh, accepting yourself the mistakes that you made the things that you've done wrong, not sweeping them under the rug, not hiding them somewhere, but putting them out right before God and saying, God, here they are, everything I put at your feet. I'm a sinner. And in that moment, recognizing that you have to take all those skeletons out of the closet and bring them into the light of God's forgiveness. Louis B. Smead says this, To forgive yourself is to act out of the mystery of one person who is both forgiver and forgiven. You judge yourself. This is a division within you. You forgive yourself. This is the healing of the split. You simply sometimes step out of yourself and you see yourself for truly what you are, a sinner saved by grace. And you receive that gift of God's grace. If you can't receive forgiveness, you can't receive his love. Until you receive his forgiveness, you can't really love the Lord. But when you receive that incredible love gift of the cross and Calvary and apply it again and again and again and again throughout the journey of life, that's when you receive his love. Accepting your past, realizing that you are a sinner from the time you were born and you will be to the time you die. Now, accepting doesn't mean approving. You're not sitting approvingly at yourself and saying, no, that's okay. No, 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 I'm not referring to that at all. I'm not referring to antinomianism, just going on and doing whatever you want. No, no, no. There are consequences bound up in every sin. And every act of disobedience, with every sin, is bound its own punishment. But recognizing in the midst of that that you can find forgiveness and that you could grow in holiness and sanctification. Accepting your past, what you've done, the lies you've told, the sins you've committed, the wrongs you've committed, the times you've walked away from God and you just acted like nothing happened. 
David had to accept himself. Isn't it something that God doesn't cover up the sins of his children? In the scriptures, he shows them flaws and all, warts and all. He paints for us an accurate, realistic picture of what they're like. Not like contemporary biographies and contemporary histories of people that sort of hide the flaws and faults. God says, here it is. But there's forgiven by grace. Accepting your past, but also something else, accepting your limitations. In Romans 12, 3, it says, For by the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment. Uh, Recognize there are some things that you will have an Achilles heel for. You grew up as a child, and maybe those things that happened in your home predisposed you to have a short fuse or predisposed you to sort of get through life by manipulation or, 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 or doing things that were wrong, uh, recognizing that sometimes even the natural things that you wish you could do that you'll never be good at. Recognizing your limitations. What sometimes happens is we erect standards that are beyond our reach, beyond our abilities. Recognizing that we have our limitations. Some of us are angry with God because we won't be able to win the beauty contest. Or because we can't learn as someone else can. We don't have this academic inclination. Or we can't work with our hands as someone else can. And we sometimes look at ourselves with a judgmental heart and a judgmental attitude. And we won't forgive ourselves. We all have our limitations. Carl Menninger, a famed psychiatrist, said, If he could convince patients in psychiatric hospitals that their sins were forgiven, he said 75% of them would walk out. They'd be cured. God came, and he knew all the mistakes that you would make, all the wanderings that you would do, all the times that you would fall flat on your face, and he forgives. Pastor, what are you saying? I'm saying that God forgave an Abraham who lied and put his wife in jeopardy. I'm I'm saying that God forgave a Jacob who was a supplanter, a deceiver, who robbed his own brother of his birthright and said, Jacob, have I loved? What are you saying, Pastor? I'm saying that God forgave David who sinned so horribly but found mercy at God's throne of grace. I'm saying that there's nothing that you've done, there's no place that you've been, there's no skeleton in your closet that God can't clean out and forgive. Bring it to him. Lay it at the cross. 
ask him for forgiveness. Accept your past. You've done some things. Don't deny it. Accept your limitations. Recognize that there are frailties that you have. And then you have to do something else. You have to reject something. Reject the accuser. In Revelation chapter 12, verses Verse 10, it says, Then I heard a loud voice in heaven saying, Now have come the salvation and the power of the kingdom of our God and the authority of his Christ. For the accuser of our brothers who accuses them before God day and night has been hurled down. You have an arch enemy. He's Satan. You have someone who wants to defeat you, cripple you, bind you and blind you. He's Satan. And he wants to accuse you. He does that before God day and night, accusing you and saying, that person's not worthy. She's not worthy. He's not worthy. God, discard them. When the enemy comes with his words and plants them in your mind, you must recognize them. In Philippians, the Bible tells us in the book of Philippians that We are to think about good things, pure, lovely, admirable, anything if it's praiseworthy. Let me give you some of Satan's vintage thoughts. This is vintage Satan. When you have thoughts come into your mind and it's a put down. God doesn't put you down, he builds you up. God doesn't come to just destroy you he comes to build you up he he wants to raise you to heavenly places in Christ Jesus Uh, when you feel absolutely demoralized by words or thoughts when you feel oppressed when the spirit of heaviness hovers over you because of thoughts and thinkings and feelings and emotions that come in you know what that is that's the enemy of your soul when thoughts come into your mind so that you feel there's no positive way forward you feel absolutely hopeless you feel there's no way out you're on a cul-de-sac just going in circles no way out that's the enemy of your soul Uh, When the results of your thoughts put you in bondage, when you cannot forgive yourself and you're immobilized, you're unable to move forward, that's the enemy of your soul. When crippling reoccurrences of the past or sins or failures come and they're like chains and shackles on your soul and mind and spirit so that you can't have freedom with God and you've already repented you've already put it at the cross you've already asked the blood of Jesus to cover you know that it's not God but it's the enemy of your soul you know Satan wants to accuse you you have to recognize that he wants to dominate your thinking and he wants to control your thought life. Uh, Sometimes you have to discern, where is this voice coming from? It could be the word of another Christian, but those words are not Christ's words to you. It, It could be a thought that just comes into your mind. It could be that because from your own fallen nature, a melancholy spirit, that you you tend to be so self-critical. 
Well, that's all the time we have for today's edition of Building in Faith with Pastor Ed Jones of Faith Assembly in Poughkeepsie, New York. There's more to come from Pastor Ed's teaching series entitled Forgiveness. We want to encourage you to download today's message again to review. Simply log on to buildinginfaithradio.com and select today's date from the Building in Faith media player. Again, that's buildinginfaithradio.com. Maybe today's message brought a family member or friend to mind. You can share today's message via Facebook and Twitter by simply logging on to buildinginfaithradio.com and clicking on today's date. There you'll find all the options to share. Now, we'd like to invite you to join us at Faith Assembly for worship on Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. or Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. For driving directions and more information, log on to buildinginfaithradio.com and follow the link to Faith Assembly. Or feel free to give us a call at 845-462-5955. That's 845-462-5955. Well, that's all the time we have for today. You've been listening to Building in Faith with Dr. Ed Jones. We invite you to join Pastor Ed as he continues teaching through the Word of God right here on Building in Faith. Your Word Restore